Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So, hi everybody. Today, we're talking to Sarah Zeff Geber from the States. She's written some, uh, well, certainly one particularly interesting book and has all sorts of interesting resources and expertise around the subject of retirement and ageing. And um, I'm really looking forward to talking to her today and seeing what sort of insight she has. So good afternoon, Sarah. How the devil are you? Good afternoon. Happy to be here. We're in the evening and it's quite late and it's, it's dark outside. Um, and I'm hearing, judging from your accent, you're somewhere... Somewhere across that pond. Whereabouts are you today, Sarah? I am. I am. I'm in California. I'm not far from San Francisco. I actually live and work up in what we call the wine country, about an hour north of San Francisco. Sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you describe what you do. Sure. Um, My background is actually in organizational development and leadership development. Uh, I have a doctorate in organizational behavior. And um, I, gosh, about not quite 10 years ago, a lot of my executive coaching clients were starting to talk more and and think more uh, about their retirement plans than their strategic plans. So I realized at that point that the baby boom generation in this country and probably the UK and Australia and Canada and, and a lot of the first world countries in Europe were who had a, a large baby boom population were probably experiencing some of the same things. The baby boomers were entering an age when retirement was heavily on their mind and they didn't want to particularly do it the same way their parents had done it. So I got fascinated by that whole phenomenon and eventually led me to leave the world of uh, organizational development and spend full time studying, researching, talking about, writing about the retirement transition. So that's how, that's how I got started in this work. Interesting. And, and one of the challenges about retirement seems to be that the idea of retirement has changed, certainly in the UK. Um, yes. So, I mean, what, what views do you have about that? Well, I think the baby boomers who have always wanted to do things their way are taking a look at retirement the way their parents did it, if their parents even live that long, and have said to themselves, that doesn't look appealing to me. 
I don't want to retire to a barca lounger in front of a TV set most of my days, or I don't want to spend seven days a week on the golf course. Uh, just a lot of the kind of stereotypical things that people used to do in retirement, again, if they lived long enough, um, were all leisure activities. Today, a lot of baby boomers want to stay active. They want to stay productive. A lot of boomers are not even thinking about retirement or wanting to retire in their 60s. They're going full speed ahead well into their 70s. Um, one client of mine was still going to be working when he was 80 <laughs> um, and, and in fact made it to that point and finally did retire formally at 81. So it's a very different picture. Um, the trajectory of aging is so different than it was even 20, 30 years ago. People can now expect to live into their 80s if they cross the 65 mark. Um, that's just the reality of um, the developed world anyway, of how long people are, are able to stay alive and stay healthy and happy for many of them. Interesting. And, and, I, and I guess there's a difference between living a long life, but living a happy life or a healthy life as well, because there's not much joy in being alive at 80 and, and you're, as you say, sitting in a chair or crippled with arthritis or, you know, not able to do the things that you'd like to do. So I'm guessing there's some planning we need to do well before we get to that point to help us live uh, up productive. I think so. Okay. I, I, I certainly think that um, ideally people start really thinking about their own health when they're much younger okay. and um, eating healthy foods and getting enough uh, exercise and outdoor time. And that goes a long, long way into becoming a, um, a strong and healthy older person. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the percentage of people that are able to stay strong and healthy well into their 70s and into their 80s is growing every year. So there's, um, there's every opportunity to, to be healthy and vital and, and productive lots longer than uh, the previous generations have. It, and, and is your view that, um, well, certainly we had a, um, a guy talking about retirement and he basically said, don't retire. He was, I think, <laughs> I think he was basically, he was 97 and had taken up competitive running at the age of 90 and was setting all sorts of records. <laughs> and his sort of thing seemed to be work was healthy. And it didn't, and, and, and uh, not necessarily a traditional form of work, but any form of exercise, both mental or physical, seemed to be good for your well-being. Never mind your sense of purpose and such like. It, it, is that something that you would recommend? The sort of mental side of it. Yes, I agree with him. Um, I, I have a, a couple of caveats on that, though. Uh, I hate to see people beating up on themselves because they weren't able to run in their 70s or 80s and they think they should be able to because somebody else can. Yeah. Those people who, who are still competitive runners or any kind of runner into their 80s and 90s are certainly laudable, but they're the extreme exception. Um, we are going to be susceptible to certain... Um, physical weaknesses the older we get. 
many people get arthritis, no matter what, how good they've taken care of themselves. Um, it, it, we have hereditary diseases and conditions that we're susceptible to. So uh, it probably in many ways sounds like I'm saying two different things, but I'm actually not. I'm saying do the best you can with what you have and accept that you're not going to glide into your older life effortlessly and without any kind of challenge, yes. physical, mental, uh, it just happens. So it's also, it's important to be, to stay as healthy as you can, but it's also important to acknowledge that it's not going to be perfect. Yes. But being, I'm guessing it's about being realistic, isn't it? So, you know, you're, exactly. not, going, you're not going to be 80, the, the physical, um, flexibility or condition of a 20 year old so but I think the point you've made is really interesting which is you do what's right for you rather than what somebody expect somebody else's expectations might be and exactly I guess, and, I guess and everybody everybody sees retirement and this phase of life differently and there absolutely are people out there who, who have spent uh, the better part of their lives doing hard physical labor or tedious mental labor and are ready to truly have a classic retirement. And that's fine too. It's every individual's choice. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. And of course the opportunity has never been greater to, to have different choices for your retirement. I wonder how often the, um, the, uh, a person's family though can act as a break on your aspirations for your own retirement you know children who are telling you to take it easy and to slow down does does that happen sure it happens um i i worry more about people who are an actual burden than a verbal burden <laughs> um the lots of people today have have kids that kind of failed to fully launch let's say yes um or uh they're in their 60s and they're still taking care of very elderly parents so we are the current sandwich generation yeah. and a lot of people have uh, some greater burdens on them at this time of life than they expected they would and that can take up not only um, mental energy and, and physical time uh, but it can also be a financial burden as well so there are people in that situation yes Yes, it's interesting. And that's the point, isn't it? It's, there's, no, there's no one sort of glide path into retirement. It is. No, there surely is different. not. So, so, if, so, so, so say I was in my 50s, let's pretend that. And um, what should I start to be, should, what should I be thinking about now at this sort of age? Um, be thinking first and foremost, how is my retirement savings um, uh, coming along. Now, for people in the U.S., that's a little more critical than it is for those of you in countries where you have a little more um, of a government uh, safety net. In the U.S., we do not. We have Social Security, but for some people, that's kind of minimal. So it's up. it has been up to us all of our lives to make sure that we are saving enough money so that we're not um, living in poverty when we're much older and are uh, unable to work anymore. Right. So, uh, so that's the number one criteria. And if that's not a factor for you, if you know that you're going to have the money that you need to live comfortably when you retire, then to start thinking about how long you do want to work. Yeah. Are you still enjoying the job you're in? Might you want to make a change uh, for the last 10 or 20 years of your working life? 
a lot of people tend to get a little bit restless in their 50s. And it, it's a good time to start really looking ahead and thinking about what is this human being that I am? What is this person going to look like, feel like, think like in 20 years? Right. So you're actually, you're actually doing a sort of form of life planning. Oh, absolutely. It is life planning for sure. Right. And, um, and is there any restriction on that? I mean, obviously, you've got to bear in mind physical things like health and money and such like. But, um, but is there anything that stops you? I mean, I mean I've, 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 I've bumped into people who have completely transformed themselves in their 60s. They've launched a new mm -hmm. business or they've become a mentor or they've joined a third sector or charity organization or they've just started traveling the world. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's really nothing to stop us anymore, is there? There isn't. The only thing stopping us is um, our uh, physical condition, potentially, and our financial condition. Yes. And, and the science of aging itself is, is developing, isn't it? And there's a lot of talk now that it shouldn't be long before the average age of um, healthy living should be over 100. I mean, it seems quite a long way off today, but, you know, you talk to the scientists and they all seem to be having very clear ideas that, you know, we should yes. be thinking about being centennials almost. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, financial planners, <clears throat> in this area anyway, when they plug in our numbers to see how long our money will last, um, often run a lifespan out to 97 or 103. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, you know, that's being safe. Uh, maybe you'll only live to be 87, but uh, you kind of want to make sure that your money isn't going to run out if you do live to be 103. So, uh, so that's, that's not uncommon. Right. Interesting. So, so the point is to have a plan to get yourself ready to work out fundamentally that there's nothing that can stop you if you start. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's about starting early enough. Is it like all sorts of planning that if you're thinking about? I just, I just wonder how many people think about their retirement when they're in the 30s and 40s. Is that? It's not oh, hardly any. You know what I mean? I mean, most of us seem to get to 50, think, oh, well, well when can I wrap this all in? <laughs> and, um, and then suddenly realize, well, we can't. <laughs> so um, it's that sort of sort of horror of when people arrive in the fifties. And I was very taken by that phrase you used, which is, "It's not your mother's retirement." What what what, what do you mean by that? Well, um, just really all that I've been say <clears throat> been saying. People are approaching this uh, this re transition into the next phase of life. Let's call it that, rather than retirement. Um, very differently. Right. First of all, we're, we're, we feel younger, we're healthier, we um, <clears throat> in many cases have more resources. So uh, it's just looking at it differently. Interesting. And so, mm, fantastic. The, and I noticed you've, you've actually written or you've contributed to two or three books. Is that right? So um, you, can, um, you can get hold of Sarah at going to her website, sarahzefgeber.com. And you've got two or three books on there, which you, you've talked about. Um, that's S-A-R-A-Z-E-F-F-G-E-B-E-R.com. And um, so you've written three books. Tell, tell me about those three well, you've been contributing to see three books and written one. So tell me, tell me your thinking behind writing a book, because a lot of people seem to get to their 50s and start writing books. Is this something that you thought about for yourself? Well, 
the uh, the book that I that was that was just published a year and a half ago yeah. called Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers okay. is the one book that I that I did write all by myself and I was prompted to do that because I was observing that quite a number of people in the baby boom generation do not have children yeah. oh, and they are going to be, <clears throat> they're going to be especially in need of a good plan by the time they get older. And that plan I think should be in place by the time they're in their uh, mid sixties, certainly by the time they're 70. Yeah. And uh, so it goes into a lot of things about uh, a lot of legal considerations and financial considerations. Again, uh, geared toward people in the U.S., but certainly I've been told anyway that has great value for people elsewhere too. Um, so what prompted me to write that is just the fact that there are so many of us, almost 20% of the baby boom population doesn't have children. Wow. That's a lot. That's Very one prompt. in five baby boomers. That's a lot. It, uh, really, childlessness actually hit a peak with yeah. the uh, baby, baby boomer women. Uh, it has since gone down some again, but childlessness was 19.4% uh, of baby boomer women. So there's a lot of people out there, at least in this country, that are aging alone. They don't have that safety net of adult children. Yeah. And I know a lot of people will hear me say that and say, well, you know, my children are this or they're that. And um, they're living elsewhere or we're estranged. So people can be solo agers, as I call them, for more reasons than just the fact that they don't have children. But there are enough in that category alone to prompt me to write the book. And what's interesting is I was sort of having a look at the book earlier and, and there seems to be a lot of practical things in it, which is, you know, which you should expect. But I was quite interested to see the sort of focus on the sort of social network and avoiding isolation and loneliness. And I think there seems to be a real... Certainly in our country, there's a lot of people who just simply don't see people from one day to the next. And, the, and loneliness seems to be one of the biggest problems in our society at the moment. So what, what sort of tips and techniques have you got about that? Well, the one piece of planning that people can do and that uh, doesn't have a lot of other variables and dependables um, is to take stock of your social network. And the, that's the, the people around you. Who do you, who do you see on the weekends? Um, who do you spend time with at holidays? Is it family? Is it friends? Those people are your social network. And that's going to be very important as you get older. So to begin taking stock of that in your 50s and really nurturing the people that you value in your social network is an important piece of that planning. Eventually, I encourage people to think about where they want to live, where they want to, um, what kind of a kind of environment they want to live in once they are older adults, and to start to communicate that to the people closest to them. Because we never know when a crisis might hit, um, and you're going, you're going to need someone to make decisions in your absence. And if nobody knows what you're thinking, about for your own future, then nobody's gonna be able to speak for you in a way that you would speak for yourself. Yeah. So to make sure that you have spokespeople out there 
that know what your preferences are, I think is an important element of getting older. I think that's, that's very good advice. I, re- I remember my own mother, when she got older, was fanatical about not losing her independence. And, mm-hmm. and the point of having independence is to be able to make decisions. And um, even if you physically can't carry those decisions out, the fact, the fact is you, you have the decisions. So it's about putting, putting things in place beforehand so you can maintain that independence if something does happen. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the, almost the very archetype of resilience, isn't it? You know, you plan, <laughs> you plan um, for the worst, <laughs> but you hope for the best sort of idea, don't you? That's the, that's the, that's the secret. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's very hard to, to plan for, our, to our, for a future when we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know what's coming. But we can certainly start thinking about it and have a few contingency plans in the back of our minds and, and in many cases, hopefully written down somewhere. Yes. And I noticed that um, you sort of, oh, I was going to say advocate, I don't think you mean, I don't think I mean advocate, but you were talking, you talk a little bit about the sort of um, importance of pets um, mm-hmm. for older adults. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, especially for people who live alone, um, a, having a, a dog or a cat uh, or really any kind of a pet, if you can't have a dog or cat where you live, sometimes a, a bird or um, a uh, another kind of mammal, a guinea pig or something like that, can be a uh, tremendous advantage. I mean, it, it can be um, another sentient creature in the in your home with you that you can talk to and and uh, someone that you're responsible for. A lot of um, a lot of people find that. A, having a dog that they have to walk gets them out every day. It gets them doing doing things, and even if they're uh, limited to getting around in a wheelchair or a walker, I see people all the time walking small dogs um, from a wheelchair or even a walker. So uh, it's not impossible, and it brings a lot of of um, meaning and purpose. Yeah. to life and you have another another life that you're responsible for to feed and protect and um, that I, ideally will also protect you. So I think for many reasons, it's often very helpful for older adults to have a pet. Yes, it's so interesting because one of the things that was going through my head during our conversation together is, and actually you've written a couple of blogs about this, is one which is you're talking really about having a sense of purpose you know, that, mm-hmm. you plan, that you purposefully move towards this next phase of your life. And so when you're in it, you can actually enjoy it. And you can then surround yourself with people and animals or experiences, which actually, you know, um, create a different, a different experience from the one you've had in the future and the one that you've had from your own parents. So yes. I think the idea of purpose is quite fascinating, really, as, you, as you've described it to you. Yes, and I and that's part of the uh, certainly part of the planning as well to think about um, if you leave, if you decide to transition out of your current job at some point. The, the the resilience factor comes in how much you thought about that ahead of time and how well you understand yourself at this phase of life, so that you can move into another meaningful occupation or a meaningful. Um, um, oh, a volunteer yeah. uh, existence 
that will be gratifying to you. Think about the causes that you believe in. Think about the, uh, um, the um, political um, philosophy that you have and, and how you want to uh, um, make that part of your existence. Some people choose to um, get involved in animal rights. Other people choose to get involved in, in political causes. There's just no end to the list of things that you can involve yourself in when you aren't in the workplace anymore. Yeah, absolutely right. No, this is this is actually quite hopeful. Well, it's not quite hopeful. It's very helpful. And I mentioned your website earlier, but I noticed that you're on social media as well under the the hashtag of Life Encore. Is that right? Yes. Right. Good. Yes, so, that's uh, actually my company name, Life Encore. Right. So if so, basically, we can find you through your own website, as I said earlier, Sarah Zefgeber, or. Um, like via life encore on facebook and twitter that i can certainly see and um, <laughs> i noticed you've got a you've actually got a it's interesting i was just on your facebook site looking at a um a story from dorset in the uk which is literally about 20 miles away from me so that's <laughs> and you're in california and i'm down here so um that's how so thank you thank you for that i think actually what we you said today is really fascinating along the lines of actually resilience in terms of the toolkits around purpose and happiness and sense of community and such like and planning i mean that, that seems to be that seems to be a message we should have right through our lives and we're, if we're practicing these things in our 20s and 30s mm, absolutely. there's not really there's no reason for us not to have a great life in in the next phase really yes absolutely i i believe that we are social creatures and having a stable community throughout our lives is a very supportive thing for us and everything that we do. Some people have a large family and that kind of becomes their community, um, but many others don't have a large family or they don't have family close by. So having a community of friends and people that you enjoy spending time with is so important. And you're right, it's important in all, in all phases of life. Yeah, if you don't practice being in a community having friends, having a network, having a sense of purpose, you know, it's, it's hard to start at 60, isn't it, if you've never done it before. So you, it's not some, something you suddenly transform into because it is almost a set of skills, isn't it? So let's get going with it. Yeah, it is. So in, to, that, um, to that end, it certainly is important to, to practice when you're in your younger days. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great message. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really enjoyed that. It's been absolutely fascinating. Well, you're so welcome. I'm happy to have uh, been able to join you for my morning, your late afternoon or That's evening. Right. <laughs> As I said, there's tons more resources on Facebook, Twitter, and on Sarah's own website. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Russell. Bye-bye. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. 
For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.